Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is episode 229 of the podcast. And today I'm going to be sharing a personal testimonial uh, that has to do with fly fishing and conservation, as well as an encouragement for you along those lines. So something about me, something for you. But before I get to that, a few administrative details. First and foremost, thank you for listening. I do appreciate that. That's not just some sort of empty platitude to fill up time in the podcast. I do appreciate that, whether you're in the United States or as is happening more frequently if you are over in Europe. So for whatever reason, uh, you are listening to me, whether you are in Spain, the United Kingdom, and Germany, I, I appreciate it. Very good stuff. Um, also, we are one week away from an accusations podcast, which all that is is a fancy not really fancy, just a novel way for me to label podcast episodes where I interact with listener and reader feedback. So if you have a question, if you have a comment or an accusation about anything I have said, anything I might say, let me know, Matthew at castingacross.com. And if I don't get back to you on the podcast, I'll certainly get back to you uh, individually through email or whatever medium you choose to reach out to me. So as I said, and as you probably garnered from the title of this podcast, I'm going to be talking about fly fishing, conservation, and youth. Now, this is a topic I've written about extensively, and it's something I've even alluded to and mentioned explicitly on the podcast. But today, uh, on, on this episode, episode 229, I want to talk about my experience as a teenager, uh, being mentored, being educated, uh, being brought up into fly fishing. And so I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a background and then a little bit of, well, two backgrounds that kind of came together. And then what that means, then like I said, what you can do with that. So I did not grow up fishing. I grew up outside. I was outside all the time. And I did fish intermittently here and there. Uh, living in Illinois, I fished in ponds, I fished in canals. But in seventh grade, my family and I moved to Virginia. And my first and best friend at the time 
fished. And so I started fishing a lot more. And that turned into chasing trout and turning into chasing trout turned into needing to learn how to fly fish because a lot of the places close to where I lived in Northern Virginia, uh, that were the premier trout fisheries, uh, were fly fishing only or catch and release fly fishing only. And so kind of a total paradigm shift of how to fish. And so very quickly got into fly fishing. And, you know, when you're young, you have no bills. And so every dollar from allowance, every dollar from birthdays and Christmas went to buying gear and every free moment that your parents could drive you meant uh, being driven somewhere to spend uh, a day walking along a spring creek in Pennsylvania, walking along a mountain stream in Virginia in the Shenandoahs trying to catch fish. And this was a phenomenal uh, time of life, just being able to experience all of these things that looking back uh, years and years, decades later, that I'm very familiar with, just a wonderful time of exploration and discovery. Well, this same friend, uh, he started fishing in Pennsylvania a little bit more because he had family up there, and he went to a fly shop, and at that fly shop, at this point in time, this was um, Yellow Breaches Outfitters. It has now, well, it changed ownership a few times in the the, the preceding decades to today. Uh, it's currently a TCO outpost in Bowling Springs, but at that time it was Yellow Breaches Outfitters, and they had a flyer for a camp. And this was a camp about fly fishing. It was a Rivers Conservation and Fly Fishing Youth Camp. And this was, I believe, 1998 or 1999 when he got this flyer and he applied for the camp. And what is this camp? Well, this camp was the brainchild of, of two men, um, Inky Moore and Dr. Jack Beck. And these men were going to a Trout Unlimited function, and uh, and a friend of mine and a kind of a, a conservation fly fishing mentor, Mike Klimkloss, was in the car as well as they were going to this event. And they were talking about how there were camps for cheerleading. There were camps for basketball. There was camps for football. There's even camps for science and math, but there was no camps for fly fishing. And so these guys who were South Central PA guys, they decided to start up a camp for fly fishing. But as they were very active in Trout Unlimited, particularly the Cumberland Valley chapter of Trout Unlimited in South Central Pennsylvania, uh, they said that there needed to be a conservation uh, component to it because that goes hand in hand with fly fishing. And if you fly fish at all, then you know that that's that's just whether it be uh, something in the marketing for the fly rod that you buy, whether it be a Trout Unlimited magazine that you get, that although you can certainly pursue fish exclusively, once you start having uh, an, a greater awareness of what's going on around you, conservation is part and parcel of fly fishing, uh, particularly here out east, but certainly all over the place. Uh, the The quality of fishing that we enjoy is only the result and the fruits of conservation, conserving what we already have and actually restoring what we have lost. And so this was their mentality. This was um, uh, Dr. Beck and uh, and uh, Inky Morse. Uh, it was what they wanted to do with four kids uh, with fly fishing and conservation. So within a few years, they had the very first camp, the very first um, Rivers Conservation and Fly Fishing Youth Camp put out by the Cumberland Valley chapter of Trout Unlimited. And so this was the camp that my buddy Alan went to. And Alan went to it and uh, I, I think he call, either called me from camp or emailed me from camp and told me all about it, told me about how great it was. And so that was on my radar for that next year. 
And so I applied immediately. And something that I remember distinctly um, is that I wrote an essay. You had to have an application essay because at that time they were getting a significant uh, interest about uh, from from all over, particularly the Mid Atlantic, uh, folks that were kids that wanted to apply because they got basically a week of fishing, and so that was my emphasis. Uh, I was excited about a week of fishing. I wanted to fish on the Yellow Breaches and I wanted to fish multiple times a day because for me uh, that was a, a two-hour drive from Northern Virginia, and the idea of doing that, uh, you know, ten times, morning and evening over you know a five or six-day period. That was something that I just couldn't pass up. So I wrote my essay, and I'm I'm not a shabby writer. I always been a little bit gifted in that in that uh, category, and uh, I got in. Now, real quick, I'm going to fast forward uh, ahead. I went to the camp. I had a great time. Lots of benefits. Lots of good things. Which I'm going to talk about here in a second. Actually, to the point where I became a director in the camp um, back in the the early 2000s, and I was part of the group that read the application essays. So one of the first years that I went in to read the application essays, I kind of looked back into the records to see what they were looking for, what the 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 kind of the rubric was for the people that read these essays. And I only had to flip flip back at this point like 6 or 7 years to find my application essay. And I got in by the skin of my teeth and the the reason why the reason why that I barely got into the camp was because I was only interested in fly fishing. And this camp, and, and I learned this once I got there, and, and it had a profound impact on me once I got there. It was about fly fishing, but was also about conservation. So for a kid that was a trout bum, it was a great opportunity, but that was not the reason why the camp was put on. It was put on to inform and to educate and to empower and to connect kids with conservation. And that's precisely what happened. Very thankful that I got in and uh, had a had good laugh with the guys that I was friends with at, at that point in time that were the ones that gave me that very low ranking and uh, just expressed my appreciation that I that I barely got in. But that's what happened. I got there ready to catch fish and sitting through classes on entomology, sitting through classes on riparian habitat, both degradation, restoration, and why it matters, sitting through classes on uh, the legal protections that have been put in place for cold water resources in, in not only in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but in the United States. All of these things were incredibly foundational for me to understand the wider world of fly fishing. And this is what we got. And this is what the kids got when I was a director of that camp. And this is what kids still get at these camps all across the country. Uh, the the leading experts. I mean, one of my jobs as, as one of the directors of the camp was to reach out to the leading voices in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania at the Department of Natural Resources, at the Department of Conservation, reach out to professors at Penn State College professors regarding ichthyology and biology and other and, and, and even uh, um, legal studies as it relates to environmental issues and talk to them about how this is you know they get one and a half two hours uh, with these kids who in our estimation are the best and brightest of kids that are interested in fly fishing but also in conservation and so for me I got to see it both as a student and also as a director I was on both sides of it and it is a remarkable 
and it continues to be a phenomenal resource for young people. It's a great resource for kind of the, the kid that's going to be the lay conservationist, uh, the kid that is going to continue to be engaged in the outdoors, whether they are an avid fly fisher or they're just someone who likes being outside. It's a great experience for that, but at the same time, it prepares them to have that holistic perspective on everything that goes into being on the water why there are parts of streams that are catch and release, why there might be parts of streams that are uh, not for fishing, why there are resources and time and energy from a local or state or even federal level that go into habitat restoration. It is the kind of thing that I think we just kind of take for granted because we see it happening all around us. But to see how the sausage get, gets made, to see why there are wrangling about you know dollars and cents and man hours and things like that, to see how that all happens, and then to see the silent science that undergirds it, the data that goes into making those decisions, and all the people that are involved in that. I mean, I'm certainly not a big government person, but that's not what you have here. You kind of have uh, grassroots, it's government sponsored, but grassroots uh, elements involved and all of these things of people who are going out, picking up rocks, taking water samples, doing things in their lab or in the back of their truck, and how all of that feeds into the benefits that we experience when we go out and we fish. So that's something that you can have in the back of your mind, even if you don't go into conservation vocationally. But one of the things that we certainly advocated at the campus, no matter what you go to do, and this is actually what uh, one of my closing sessions when the for over the years that I was the director, this was one of the sessions that I taught uh, on, the, on the tail end of the uh, of the camp week. Is I think either the last morning or the the last night was you know you don't want to be a conservationist, you don't want to be a biologist, you're really bad at math, you don't want to be a scientist, you're going to be something, you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a mom. You're going to be a, uh, a pastor like me. Um, and and w what can you do with this education? How can this be part of your mindset? How can you be a voice on your local Trout Unlimited chapters board? How can you be a, a concerned voting citizen about local issues? How can your conservation donations go to the right place? How can you just get involved in, in your community? with the with this knowledge that you now have. And for me, that was the most profound and impactful aspect of the camp is it prepared me as someone who's not going to be a vocational biologist or conservation related uh, you know career to know what is going on behind the scenes. I'm not reading Trout Magazine from TU. I'm not reading a, a news release from some uh, conservation organization and just kind of taking that information as uh, uh, you know, for granted. I, I know what goes into it. And so I'm able to say, well, you know what? That does sound kind of like a liberal policy, but this is why it's happening. Or that does sound like it's lining up with these uh, conservative interests, but this is why it's happening. It doesn't mean I agree with everything. It just it has given me, as you know, now someone who is is in the, the kind of the middle stage of life, uh, a wonderful foundation. But I also call lots of fish. I also form friendships. I also form relationships both with my peers as well as those mentors, those men and women who are investing in me. And so this is where my encouragement to you goes. Uh, do you live in a place where there's a camp? Now, right now, I'll rattle through them real quick. Um, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, Payson, Arizona, Mountain Home, Arkansas, Olympic Valley, California, uh, Altmont, Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, Tallulah Falls, Georgia, Garden Valley, Idaho, Roscommon, Michigan, Salon, Maine, um, the Georgetown Lake, Montana, uh, Berlin and Pittsburgh, New Hampshire, the West Branch of the Delaware in New York, 
Canton, North Carolina, Hood National Forest, Oregon, Grantham, Pennsylvania, La Plume, Pennsylvania, which is French for the plume, uh, Townsend, Tennessee, Guadalupe River in Settler, Texas, uh, Paradise, Utah, Cache Valley, Utah, Canaan, Vermont, uh, Lake Shelton, Washington, and Wacupa, Wisconsin. All right, so where's all that information? Go to tu.org and you'll see all of those camps listed under their um their TU Summer Camps and Academies page. Uh, if you live in one of those areas, or you fish in one of those areas, or you wouldn't mind spending a week in one of those areas, I guarantee you, assuming you pass all their background checks, uh, they have something for you to do. You might not be an expert. You might not have the bona fides to be a presenter. You might not be the best angler. But what can you do? You can help kids register. You can help kids get signed uh, signed in. You can help kids by being a ghillie. You can help kids by tying flies. You can help kids by buying flies and mailing flies. You can help kids and you can help the program by passing it on to your local Trout and Lemon chapter. One of the greatest things that we had when I was one of the directors is a local TU chapter uh, said, um, we have somebody in the in the, in our chapter who wants to pay for a student from our area to go. Uh, the better thing was, uh, you know, assuming they get invited. We actually had a few times where people thought, well, we're ponying up the four hundred and fifty or five hundred bucks or whatever. Uh, so you know, take a kid from our area. And we didn't get any qualified kids, and that led to some irate conversations with with uh, TU chapter members. But the fact of the matter was is that we weren't trying to have a diverse picture of the entirety of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We wanted the best and brightest kids. So if that meant that half of them were from one particular area, so be it. It was all based on uh, the quality of their their essay. But uh, if, if that's something that you and a couple of friends want to do, you know, each pony up a couple hundred dollars and say, if somebody from our uh, area or maybe a kid from a, a member of our tribe limited chapter wants to go to one of these camps, we'd be happy to send them along. Or even just in general, like we, I'd be happy to sponsor a kid. There's so many ways that you can volunteer. This is a phenomenal investment. And it's a great encouragement for the people that work at these camps. Um, as far as I know, there is no vocational uh, staff at any of these camps. There are vocational folks at TU that oversee it from a broad level, and they have countless other things underneath their purview uh, when it comes to their job at TU. But uh, this is something that is done by people that just enjoy fishing, enjoy conservation, and have a passion and a burden for kids getting involved. So that's my great encouragement for you. I was the beneficiary of many men and women's hard labors, going all the way back to uh, Mr. Moore and Dr. Beck and their vision for this camp. I didn't have an opportunity to meet Dr. Beck. I, I knew his wife Edie very well. Um, I didn't have. Uh, I, I didn't know um, uh, Inky Moore. He was still at the camp when I when I attended. But uh, to be able to express my gratitude to him was was a wonderful thing, and uh, to be able to see the uh, just the generational impact that this camp had, where now we're getting to the point where you know my son is almost old enough. My oldest is almost old enough to go to one of these camps. Um, I have I, I know young people who are still teenagers who have gone to this the, the, the these camps um, where we are now looking at second generation of the benefits of these camps. And I'm honestly I'm proud to say that I have been a part at a number of levels of the Rivers Conservation and Fly Fishing Youth Camp in South Central Pennsylvania. It has been an integral part of my formation as an angler, as a conservation-minded person, and with casting across. 
And so my encouragement to you is if you live in one of the places that I mentioned, then definitely check that out and uh, definitely look for more information. I've written about it. You go to Casting Across, you can you know just put uh, youth camps in the search bar. And I've got a couple of articles, some that are more practical, some that are more stories. But I would definitely encourage you to take a look at that. Now, that being said, I didn't want to stop there. There's other things you can do because I know that, you know, you, you might think this is a great idea, uh, but there there are other options out there. Your local chapter of Trout Unlimited or your local Isaac Walton League or your local rod and gun club, they might have something. So if you say, I don't like to you for whatever reason, all right, that's fine. Um, then Then there's other things out there for you. Go and find those things out. If you have a bone of initiative in your body, then maybe make something happen. And if it if it grows, then phenomenal. Um, but there's one more one more program, one more entity that I did want to mention, because if if uh, you need one more thing to kind of push you in the direction of helping, uh, then uh, this one will certainly do it. So the Mayfly Project, which I have talked about. Uh, a few times, I've done a couple of uh, interviews with the mentors that uh, that they work with. The Mayfly Project is a national organization that uses fly fishing, and this is their words, as a catalyst to mentor and support children in foster care. The mission of the Mayfly Project is to support children in foster care through fly fishing and introduce them to their local water ecosystems with the hope that connecting them to a rewarding hobby will provide an opportunity for foster children to have fun, build confidence, and develop a meaningful connection with the outdoors. So if just fly fishing and just conservation doesn't do it for you, helping kids who are in foster care, uh, that is that is certainly a, a great uh, uh, added bonus to working with a project like the Mayfly Project. Now, they have projects um, all over the place. Uh, so similarly to the TU camps, they have projects in most of the country. Uh, in fact, there's so many, I can't even rattle them off. But there's West Coast projects, there's East Coast projects, there's Midwest projects, there's Rocky Mountain projects, there's even projects down in, in the American South. So that is a great thing for you to get hooked up with. Um, lots and lots of opportunities in different ways. Again, tying flies and um, and teaching kids how to fish or being involved as a mentor, a, a hands-on mentor with, with a Mayfi project, project across the country. So that's my encouragement to you. This is being recorded in March. So like fishing season is around the corner. This is a great way to augment and a great way to diversify your time this year. To be honest with you, some of these projects and some of these camps are probably in full swing. And so if you want to have like a pivotal role in them, that might have to wait until next year, but there's always something you can do. I would get calls and I would get packages the day before uh, camp started with someone said, Hey, I've got these flies. What can I do? And I said, bring them over. I'm not sure what we'll do. And sometimes those are the flies that were needed this week. Uh, I had one time I had a, um, a big conservation organization mail me uh, six rods, six reels and six spools of line during camp. And so during the like the presentation of a speaker, uh, me and a couple other volunteers were in the back spooling things up and just getting them ready for inevitably when a rod or a reel would break, or we came to find out a kid had been fishing with a you know something that was all jacked up and all wrong for the first three days. And now we had something for them. So there's always something to, to, to do. If you have more questions about these things. I'm certainly not an expert regarding the Mayfly project, not an expert regarding your local project or program. But if you have questions about the TU camps, uh, then let me know. I'd be happy to give you more of my opinion, more information, Matthew at castingacross.com. It is well worth your time. It was well worth my time in all the different ways that I was involved over the years. This week on castingacross.com, 
the first article that uh, came out was called Project Healing Waters, Trout Stream Camaraderie. So in a similar vein to what I've just been talking about, Project Healing Waters works with veterans. Uh, these are veterans that have some sort of either physical or emotional uh, issue matter after being in the battlefield. Uh, they work with veterans of all stripes, people who are coming home today, all the way from those who uh, come back from you know Vietnam or Korea. Uh, and, and they use fly fishing, rod building, fly tying, and, and uh, conservation instruction to help them uh, work through what they are working with. It is a, an important component of, of their, their kind of recovery, uh, as it were. And so a great interview with Joe Cresta, one of the project leads up here in New England. He's actually the project lead up here in New England, and he runs a couple of the um, programs here in New England. So check that Project Healing Waters article out. And Wednesday, another kind of outreach-focused thing, genuinely getting fly fishing work done. Uh, the gentleman over at Taylor Trash Fly Fishing, a podcast out of New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Uh, they are putting on a fly fishing film tour stop at the Marine Discovery Center. So kind of niche, kind of for a particular part of the country, the Indian River Lagoon. But at the same time, I just think it's a great message to share that a podcast, a podcast of of frivolity and fun, uh, that they're, they're doing something. They're not just reposting something online. They're not just uh, uh, liking something. They're not just making a comment on a, on, a, on a post. They're actually doing something. And that's the kind of thing that we need to do. Uh, they're putting their money where their mouth is. So read about what they're doing, why they're doing it. And if you're in Florida, then check it out. So all the details are there at genuinely getting fly fishing work done. This week's recommendation on the podcast, not really a cop out, but uh, just a, a way to kind of move you in the right direction. I am putting a link to both all the TU youth camp locations as well as the Mayfly project uh, project locations in the show notes to this podcast page over at castingacross.com. So even if you're not like the person that's going to go do this, go check them out. Uh, the The websites that you will find uh, linked to all of the different camps, all the different projects will maybe be the thing that triggers you and saying, oh, this is how I can help. This is just interesting. This is how I could support by going. This is how I can support by mailing something. This is how I can support by tapping a button and you know even giving $20. Uh, anything helps. Uh, more helps more, but anything helps. So I know that uh, all of the people involved in both of these, these great programs uh, would be incredibly appreciative for any help that you can give. So check out both of those links over on the show notes page to this podcast over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and then rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. 